Hello and welcome back to another episode of You Want to Do What with Dan and Julie. Today we've got Rob Bellon, who is an engineer and TV presenter. Hi Rob, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you doing, Dan? All good, all good. So, do you want to tell everyone a little bit about what you actually do, Rob? Yeah, so um, I now nowadays find myself in the position of a uh, yeah, TV presenter, um, which is the main gig that I get as, um, as a job. Um, but I guess as part of that, there are other bits and pieces that go with it that I find myself doing. Um, a bit of voiceover, uh, a bit of voiceover work, um, a bit of public speaking, and as well as doing presenting on TV, occasionally there is um, uh, corporate um, presenting that I do for bits and bobs that don't end up on TV. Um, so, but as a whole, I guess I would encompass that as um, a, a, a TV presenter. That, mm. is, that is the job that I do. So would you say your TV presenting is sort of channeled towards the engineering side? Because that's your background, right? It is, yeah. So um, I've got a master's in mechanical engineering, um, which was great fun. That's that's kind of the way I am. That's the way my mind works. And um, I love doing all of that. So I am, I am mechanically minded, engineering minded, if you like. Um, and being a TV presenter was never really um, part of any kind of formal plan shall i say <laughs> um but yeah what's been really really nice is the way really the way i got into tv presenting was the fact that i had an engineering background and i was able to talk about it um i guess knowledgeably and fluently and so um i got roles that um needed that kind of presenter so i i did a lot of engineering presenting what has happened more recently is that um a lot of the engineering stories that I was telling in, in the documentaries and the programs I made um, are all based in the history. And so there's a lot of um, history presenting to be done alongside the engineering as well. And then sometimes nowadays I get pure history presenting gigs as well. So um, I am not a historian in any way, shape or form. That was my worst subject at school. I wasn't that interested in it, but now I absolutely love <laughs> it. And I'm, I, I will soak it up for as long as anybody wants to talk to me about it. Um, but engineering is my base, but I also do um, quite a bit in history now as well. Yeah. So what were you uh, like at school and how come you, you went into engineering as a, as a degree? Um, at school, I was the model student, obviously. Uh, <laughs> and that, you know, I loved school. I, had a, I, was, I was very, very fortunate. I went to um, uh, a really nice school that I, I absolutely loved going to. Technical um, topics were my favorite it's where i felt more comfortable it's where i felt that i was more fluent in the way i think so things like languages and english and history and um uh less technical there's, there's a word for all those kind of subjects isn't there I can't remember what it is. um but l less technical subjects i found more difficult whereas um maths mechanics um dt uh, technology, all of those kind of things, uh, physics and science, I felt a lot more fluent with. So for me to go on to study engineering was kind of logical in that sense. But also my mum and dad were both um, engineers of um, varying um, levels and qualifications, but they both worked technically. And I'd always been brought up around the house, kind of fixing stuff, analyzing stuff, um, make do and men type type approach. So it's just, just how I worked. And it was... Um, uh, it seemed like the logical thing to go and do. Plus my mate in the year above had gone to the same university that I went to the year before and told me that there was really good sports facilities there. <laughs> the engineering was a good course. So that was another reason as well. <laughs> so do you, do you think you were always sort of, you knew you were going to go into to engineering 
I think I did. Yeah. At that level. Um, so going into um, further education, I think it was pretty clear from me that I was going to do that. I think I, I think I toyed with the idea when I was at school and you have careers advice. I think I toyed with the idea for a short period of time about architecture. Um, because again, it, it was that kind of creating yeah. um, and being technical with it without really knowing too much what it entailed. But I was always drawn towards um, those those sorts of, of subjects. Um, but then mechanical engineering. And then the good thing about mechanical engineering and the way I carried out um, my degree was that I was able to keep it really general. Um, yeah. You could, spe- you could um, specify into more... Um, uh, targeted topics like automotive engineering or aeronautical, but I wanted to keep it really general. So each time I had an election of different modules to take, I'd keep, I'd have a really broad band of subjects, um, anything from energy and the environment through to biomechanics and um, thermodynamics. You know, I could really keep everything really broad and and, and that's the way I liked it, um, keeping everything very varied. And in fact, that's something I really love from the job I do now as well, the variety. So after university, what was your uh, job situation? Did you get a job in engineering or did you sort of got more or less go straight into broadcasting? Throughout and throughout my university degree, I think I probably gave the career I was going to do off the back of it, uh, maybe 10 minutes thought in total. <laughs> but it, it just, it just wasn't something that I felt, it just wasn't something I was compelled to be thinking about. I was enjoying myself at university. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. And then it, and then it finished, right? And you go, oh, geez, I need to think about what I'm going to do now. So I went off to Canada and skied for a year, which seemed like the Very best nice. thing to do in that situation. <laughs> See, that, that's where I went back and did my masters because I, I got to three years. I was like, oh, God, I got a job after this. I might as well exactly. go back and do another year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Prolong the inevitable, right? <laughs> Absolutely. But then that, but then the inevitable did come, and I, I was on. I knew I, I had to travel home from Canada at some point and go home. And this was in the summer now, so the season had moved on. And I was sat around this beautiful lake um, up in the Canadian Mountains on the west coast, thinking, "Oh man, I'm going to have this. Is, I can't put this off any longer." <laughs> and I remember just, I remember just had a had a, a notepad and a pen, and I just listed out things that I enjoyed, things from my degree that I enjoyed, things that um, I thought I might be able to get into, and and what. Um, came through for me was um, environment um, and possibly because of the environment I was in at that time um, beautiful mountainous lakes but um, no that, that was an area that I'd always been interested in um, energy and the environment um, so when I came I moved to London because that's where all my mates were and it seemed like that's where some jobs might be and I just wrote off to about 30 different environmental companies um, to try and get a job see if there's anything going and I ended up doing all sorts of bits and bobs um, going out and doing analyses of um, council depots to see and advise how they could save energy um, and just doing all sorts of stuff. And then I ended up getting a job with a company called the Energy Saving Trust, which is a not-for-profit environmental company focused on helping homeowners save energy in the home. So the general public save um, energy and money in the way they go about their, their life and their lifestyles. Um, I ended up working for them for eight years um, in all sorts of different guises. I probably had about 10 different jobs with them um, just as I kind of, this again, it comes back to that variety that I was always looking for. I'd, I'd have a job, but then I'd find other areas that I was interested in and I'd kind of create a job in that other area and then almost make myself redundant out of the job that I was employed to do and, and, and have to 
um, present how this new area was the, was the way forward. And I did that a number of times. Um, but it was, it was in that project and um, business development, I guess you'd, you'd say, project management and business development. Um, so I, I think engineering, because we've talked to a couple of engineers now, we had the, uh, the director from the Royal Academy on the, the other day, um, and he was chatting about it, and he said exactly what you said. It's such a varied subject that if you've got an interest in a certain area, but you love engineering, you can often combine the two uh, and take that forward. Absolutely. And, and in fact, that, that is the case with a number of different topics, but engineering especially, and I, I take this message into schools quite a bit as well um just to try and show it's, it's showing off really to, um showing engineering off to eyes and minds that for for very good reason might not have put two and two together before and seen the variety of opportunities that are out there in the world of engineering you're absolutely right i think that's the best way of putting it having um a background education and um kind of base knowledge of engineering and being having been maybe educated and coached in how to analyze um, uh, problems to come up with solutions, which is what engineering is all about and combining that with something that you're really passionate about, something that you're really interested in. For me, that's it. That, that, that's the golden bullet. That, that is, is how I think careers advice should be given generally. Definitely. Um, and, and it, because if you do that, that's, that's, you're always going to be using both your skills and what you're interested and passionate about. And I mean, it's a cliche, but you know, you, you, it'll feel like you're, you're never having to do a day's work in your life. I also um, think engineering is one of those few sort of areas that if you put your heart and soul into it and you, you sort of devote your life to it, you can actually change things. You can, you know, we were talking to, as I said, the, uh, the guy from the Royal Academy, and he told us about uh, somebody working on a technique to deliver um, chemotherapy in bubbles through the body so it doesn't destroy the rest of your body it just destroys the cancer i was amazing. like wow how amazing is that how many lives how many lives is yeah. that going to change positively if that can be brought to fruition it's incredible and it's absolutely the, the opportunities and the potential of it is absolutely enormous and it, it can be applied in so many different walks of life i i love it and and you know i'll go i'll go into schools and i'll um one of the things i do i'll I'll take a load of fancy dress with me because i quite like dressing up in fancy dress but i get the kids to dress up in i'll have like um a pilot i'll have a spaceman i'll have a cricketer i'll have uh someone there with um hard boots um a clipboard and a hard hat and and then a few other things as i write who's the engineer and everyone you know obviously so so creative of me everybody points to the guy in the hard hat and the hard boots <laughs> and the clipboard um so yeah yeah, yeah this, is what, this is what engineers do this is what this type of engineers do but then you can point about how engineering how many pilots are engineers many astronauts are engineers many chief execs are engineers you know mm. it's it, 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 engineers are all around us all the time as is engineering as well mm. and so how did it develop for you from this real passion and love of engineering into the world of tv yeah so i I talk about it really passionately now, but I kind of forgot about it for those eight years that I worked uh, um, as a as a project manager. Um, so the, my my move into TV, I'd always guess. I mean, this is where I have to be quite honest with you. I, I'm probably a bit of a show off at heart. Um, you know, I've, I've enjoyed I've enjoyed playing music and performing and. Um, you know, playing the fool quite a bit, just generally in life. 
Um, but then at university, I got involved at, with student radio. Uh, when I moved to London, I got involved with a couple of other voluntary radio stations, hospital radio and um, some other volunteer radios. Um, and then at the job I was doing as a project manager, I was also trained up as one of their media spokespeople. And so I would occasionally go out on I don't know Sky News or BBC Breakfast or whatever to do a little VT clip, often, often doing it live as well, which was really fun. And there was a real buzz about all of that that I really enjoyed. Um, and as I started to get a bit disillusioned with the job that I was employed to do, because uh, for me, it didn't work brilliantly. It was, it was public sector. And with that there, it was a certain amount of adversity towards risk and things move very slowly. And I got quite frustrated with that. And I just wasn't very happy in my job and I was looking for what it was that I wanted to do. And over a long period of time, and in fact, I got some coaching with this, some career coaching to help me really, I, I knew it already, but I probably needed to go through a process to really solidify that in my mind, that broadcasting or presenting in some form or another, or to do something creative was really where my, um, my energies uh, lay. And, and that's where I wanted to do. So once I'd established that and committed to that in my mind, um, uh, when I left the job I was doing, it was then about, right, I've just got to use every contact that I've made or that I've got or that I can forge to go out for a coffee or try and meet someone and just try and do as much as I possibly could and, and it to, to start off presenting. And I didn't know, I have had no coaching or education in presenting. Um, I guess I like, I know what I like on TV. I know what um, speaks to me nicely and which presenters did that. But I mean, I always went out and did, I mean, I just did some awful stuff and some stuff that I had absolutely no, I was no idea what I was doing. Um, <laughs> and laughable, but it all helped because it was all practice and it was all experience. Um, but that, that's where I had to start. I started at the bottom. So I was what, 31 or 32 when I, when I made that, just when I made that decision and um, went out to do that. Wow. And so how has that developed uh, into what you're doing now? Cause you, you know, you're on quite a few different programs now. Yeah, it's nice. Uh, I'd say my career is in a, in a really nice position at the moment, and I touch wood because um, well, when we have one, something that probably come on to later is um, there's an uncertain nature to it. I'm a freelancer, you know, I never really know where my next job is going to be. Um, but uh, I guess what it was is just it, it, it was building up enough experience and enough um, of a showreel, enough material that I had presented to put together into a showreel so that I could then become more credible and um, going out for auditions. But it, it was, it was, it's kind of being a bit shameless as to who you'll put yourself in front of and how you'll go about it. And I mean, I was, I was going to auditions. I had no clue how auditions were supposed to work. And I was just way out of my comfort zone for months trying to get myself established, trying to figure out how this worked. No idea how the filming process worked, no idea how to take direction um, or what was expected of me, but, and, and, you know, you go through some hard times with that and some embarrassing times probably as well. Um, but you, you just do it and, and you learn from every single experience. And then there was a point where I went to an audition um, for a BBC two show. I got the gig, which then enabled me to get uh, an agent and through the agent, I was then able to meet more people and make more connections and slowly, but surely I've built up um, uh, a bank of work, I guess. I guess what, 
what your career shows and what a lot of the people we've had on the show um, sort of reveal is that just because you choose to go and become an engineer or um, we've had scientists on or whatever it be, don't think, okay, I'm going to box myself into this is going to be my job. What you've done is you've taken your sort of passion for engineering and then said, right, how can I communicate this passion and sort of share and create knowledge and communication of this to a big wide audience? Yeah, I think I'm not sure it was a desire of wanting to communicate engineering at the point where I decided to get into it. I think it was more about, more about, I don't know why I find this hard to admit, but I think it was probably more about performing Mm. because I enjoyed that. I I remember that I, through very, through lots of informal ways of performing, whatever that might be, giving a presentation at work, doing something stupid for your mates, making little films in your spare time. Mm. I enjoyed that. And I enjoyed the reaction it gave people if it was done well and, and people enjoyed it. And, and, and I got something back from them that, that was, that was a real buzz for me. So that was the driver. I think for me, the cherry on the cake was the realization where that I could combine that with my love of engineering as well. Mm. Um, that was, that was really it for me. And it was, it was by chance almost that I got this, this BBC two gig that I got was an engineering show. And to this day, it's probably still one of the best shows I think I've done. It was so interesting. I loved it. Um, and so for me, it was a realization. Oh, wow. Yeah. I can, I can combine engineering that I love and this communicating that that's, that's gives me so much as well. And it was a real moment when to get that realization. And I, I just want to continue doing that. Definitely. I think that's, that's almost the point I was trying to get across that just because you've chosen to go down one route, you know, there's a lot more to everything you can do, especially nowadays. Oh, absolutely. Especially nowadays. And you, you, I mean, you can combine, you can combine whatever it is you're skilled and knowledgeable at with what you love doing in your spare time, as you say, especially these days, because there are so many opportunities and there are so many different tiny industries kicking off all over the place you know people are interested in so many more things and there are so many more ways of communicating as it happens what you're doing that people will find interested and then maybe will pay you money to come and do it for them um even if you didn't even see it as a job even it was just a hobby and and just because i'm presenting now doesn't mean that i'm stuck presenting you know no of course i I think i would like to continue doing that for now but i might change that might change and i might feel like i want to do something else and I'm totally open to that possibility. And that, and that, I think that's quite empowering as you, and you, as you, you, saying. you said earlier, you know, even though you started off doing engineering, you've now done history and, and other bits I'm presenting. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what is a, a day for, like for you as a freelance presenter? So if I'm, if I'm not working, uh, <laughs> which is the case sometimes. <laughs> um, in fact, that's part of it. I do enjoy it. I'm not going to work every single day um so I've got, I've got i enjoy doing my own projects and hobbies around the house and little wood workshops so i enjoy love i love doing all that no but um yeah if i'm working if i've if i'm out filming a filming a series i mean a lot of it is away from home so i will typically wake up in a hotel room um and it there early starts but um that's all part of it that's all good fun um and typically for what i do i'll be outside a lot of the time and there'll be a number of different locations too will go within the day um, as a crew and the crew. So the team that I'm working with ranges it from anything from about three to five people typically. And 
I'll go out and there'll be a number of different shots to get. Some of it is me talking to the camera, called pieces to camera. Other bits will be kind of general views of just me walking about in front of whatever it is we're doing. And other bits will be interviewing people and going to um, locations. Uh, and, and, and typically that, that is the mix of, of what we do. And so what would you say are some of the biggest uh, and uh, personality traits that you have that you think really help you thrive um, and help have helped you get to where you are? So one of the things I think really struck me when I first got into uh, the world of television was the can-do attitude that everybody seems to have within it. And I probably had to coach my own can-do attitude to be a bit more prominent within myself possibly because I'd been in public sector. I'm not going to keep blaming it on public sector. Public sector covers a whole <laughs> range of things. And it's a great, it's a great industry, if you can call yeah. it an industry, because it's so far and wide and disparate. And there are amazing things that public sector do. What I was doing didn't suit me. And I felt that um, things sometimes took a bit too long for me. So this is all, it's all very personal. Um, I'm, I don't want to slate public sector at all in any way, because they're, they're, it's, a, it's a great entity. Uh, but in television, there's a real can-do attitude. And um, that was something that I, that I massively enjoy about it now and a real positive outlook to what you're doing. Um, there's a lot of teamwork when you're out on, on location as well. Uh, you know, you, you, the difference for me between um, a really good shoot that you enjoy and you get some great footage from, which you know is going to be a great program at the end of it, and one that, um, was felt like quite hard work is the people that you're with uh, 100%. It's the people you're working with and, and how, where you're gelling. Um, and you tend to work with very different people all the time, which is a great, I, I love that. I, I love the fact that I get to, to meet and form working relationships with, with so many different people. Um, but that's something I really enjoy. And in fact, <laughs> I was thinking about this earlier. Some, something else I really enjoy is sometimes when things don't quite go to plan or aren't quite as expected out on location, when you get there because that then requires this kind of problem solution analytical thinking okay right that this isn't going to work how we thought it was so how can we do this differently to make it work and you really are thinking on your feet looking around you what you've got and how you can work this and i love that teamwork that will often be with the director or a producer or both to kind of figure out and and whoever's on the camera as well okay how can we make this work and that's something i get a real buzz for at the end of the day if, we, if we've had to do that I kind of, that, that's kind of a bit, uh, you know, that's problem solving, which is, I guess, yeah. kind of what engineering is in a way. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Um, and now I know a little bit, a um, little bit more about how TV and filming works. It's that um, problem solving perspective within the creative world of, mm. of um, getting your shots and telling your story and how you can make that work within the edit and what's going to work. And it's not obvious when you first come into it and it's taken me, what, eight, nine years to feel like I'm partially getting getting um, the hang of it but um I do feel more way more confident now to suggest mm. um solutions or to suggest different ways of filming things out on on location all the time knowing my position that I'm not the director <laughs> <laughs> um so what would you say are some of the biggest positives you'd ha you've had out of this career so far I mean you've worked on some great shows like um, abandoned engineering uh, and your new one which is walking Britain's lost railways um, so, I mean, you've done some really cool stuff, but for you, what, what is the big positives? Quite an easy question for me. 
the big positives out of the job that I do is the, the people you get to meet along the way and the, the albeit quite short relationships you form with somebody who you might we call them contributors someone who's going to who you're going to interview and who's going to tell you something in your story for your program they're contributors and i will spend when you get to a location and then you're going to interview a contributor there's probably a good half an hour to an hour of setting things up and that's the time really that i enjoy getting to know the person you're going to interview and then they're going to tell you stuff and i love I love the conversations we have off camera with these people that I meet because typically they, they've got a story to tell. That's why we're there and they're interesting people. So to get access to the people who I get to meet and to get this quality time with them, I find so valuable and so rewarding. It's such a massive bonus for me, part of the job. And alongside that, the places I get to go with it as well. And the access into places that, you know, sometimes money can't buy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it, it, it makes me quite hard to go on holiday with, um, or to, to spend leisure time with because it's like, oh, should we go and do this? It's like, what, we, you want to pay 50 pounds to go and do that thing that isn't half as good as this thing I did. I actually got paid to go and do the other week. Um, it, 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 it's a bit, <laughs> yeah, you yeah, can ask absolutely. previous girlfriends, they'll tell you it's not, um, <laughs> it, it doesn't make it quite difficult. But, but that, that access to people and places is such a huge benefit of the job I do. And I, I don't ever want to take it for granted and I want to appreciate it and acknowledge it for everything that it does for me. Obviously you're um, conveying so much information when you're presenting. Um, how much of that do you have to like research uh, yourself or is given to you? And obviously you've already spoken about talking to people um, and interviewees before and off camera. Yeah. So it, that varies from production to production. Um, I would say the majority of what I do, there has been um, a team of researchers already doing the work, already putting the, the, the time in to do all the desk research, to make telephone calls, to go out and do recce's and um, speak to people and see where we're going to go. Um, a lot of the productions that I work on have, have a team of people who do that, who, who are sometimes part of the crew as well. Um, and then I'm given notes on all of that that I can... Um, absorb so that hopefully when I'm in that location and we're talking about that my brain is kind of in there as well but a lot of the time I am there to learn from um, whoever I'm speaking to or whatever I'm going to go and see Um, I think the way a lot of the things that I present I'm not necessarily I'm not always the expert on something telling uh, viewers how this thing works a lot of the time I'm there with the viewer Yep. finding out for myself with a certain amount of knowledge um which is which is quite nice but then on other on other productions less is done and i will do more of that research myself and i think something we might talk about later on as well but in, in terms of how i progress within the industry and within progress progress the career that i'm doing something that i'd like to do more of is to be more involved in that more involved in the in the production side of things to maybe feel a bit more ownership of it and tell and tell some of my own stories or stories yeah. that that I've come up with and say, hey, what about making a program about this? I'm really passionate about this. I'd love to go and make that. I mean, as it is, a, the the programs I get to make are are ones that really float my boat anyway. Um, and in fact, that's something something I've learned about how important it is to say no to something that you don't feel is right for you. Have you ever thought about the the opportunities that social media and things like YouTube and and video platforms 
all over the place now would provide for somebody like you you know maybe you could start making these um, programs or, or parts of them um, in ways like that absolutely um when you say you me specifically or, or one yeah could. yeah you know you specifically or, or who, presenters now you don't have to go and get a, a program sanctioned by a big tv company you could make small bits of content Absolutely, you can because as as you as you rightly say, there are so many platforms for that, and there are so many um, potential viewers for that. You know, because whatever you're interested in, chances are there's a good at least another five thousand people around the world who are interested in it, if not five billion people who are interested in it. Um, so, if you can, if you've got a few skills um, with the camera and presenting, and, and in fact, there's no better way to practice and hone your skills than to make your own programs and to um to put that out there and, and and get feedback um and that is something that i c- i could possibly do more of i guess i get i think i think for how am i gonna answer this one? i don't know <laughs> you got me there why don't i do that i think that no, a lot of it is time i don't necessarily yeah. have the time to do that i mean i'm i'm away so much um as i say typically my day and um typically my working day begins waking up in a hotel room somewhere. Um, and I don't, I don't really feel like I have the time to go and do that. But if there was, if there was a story that I felt compelled enough to go and do that, then I would do that. And I've started to form a bit of a list and start having conversations with a few people that, um, we may well go and do that soon, sooner or later. What would be some of the, uh, the less favorable aspects of this industry? Days can be pretty long. Um, I'm not going to lie. I mean, filming in the winter is great because, uh, it's not great. So I take that back. Filming <laughs> in the winter is very different to filming in the summer, obviously. Mm. But, um, because I'm outside most of the time, there's kind of a, an enforced cutoff in the winter when the sun sets, um, from what I do, um, especially with COVID as well, because we can't really go indoors that much. So at, at the moment that like your day finishes about four o'clock, which is, it's great <laughs> but in in the summer you know you you can easily be start filming at seven o'clock in the morning and go right through till nine nine thirty um because you're always up against it you it's just the way this industry is you are you're never long on time um but i like that i enjoy that i enjoy the fact that it's busy and you're really working hard to get everything that you you can done um so yeah it's, it's long days there's the uncertainty in future work which i mentioned earlier but that, i mean that's the same with any freelancer um i mean it just so happens that the the amount of time i spend working for any different project is probably less than in other industries than in most other freelance industries um so i mean on a full series um the maximum if you're making well the third series of walking britain's last railway is probably a good example of the maximum amount of work i might get from a project so over a period of about two and a half, three months, I've had, uh, was that eight times, eight times five, so 40 days work, plus a few voiceovers at the end of it. So it's probably 45 days work in total, but that could be as short as a day or mm. three days um, for different projects, maybe for a corporate film or something that you're doing. Um, so there is that uncertainty of, of future work. There's, there can be a bit of waiting around. So um, patience is, is, is probably a good um, um characteristic to have um oh yeah oh yes 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 i know what else again it comes back i'm not complaining about any of this because i i appreciate 
just how I, I appreciate how much I love my job, but you've given me an opportunity, Simone. So I will, <laughs> um, being away from home and staying in a hotel for weeks on end or where, I don't know, you might come home for a night or two and then you're away again for the whole week. And it's that repeatedly, repeatedly for can be months, months on end. Just the food, like your food intake, it's just, it's hotel and restaurant food and Mm. pub food the whole time. And I quite enjoy being fit and healthy and that, that takes to hit. And I, that does get me down quite a bit. And the amount of time that I have to go out and exercise, you know, I re- if, you, if I'm going to get exercise when I'm out shooting, I really have to force myself out really early in the morning or in a short period of time when you might get back to the hotel after a long day's shoot when you've been on your feet all day and where you go out to dinner. So you might have, I don't know, an hour. And so you've just got to get out and do a run or do something. You're a keen runner, aren't you? You've done, you've done a few marathons here and there, haven't you? I've done a few marathons, yeah. yeah. Um, it's, been, it's been a, a feature of um, some of my, my private time, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we like to talk a little bit about what people could expect um, to earn within this industry. So we go away and look for average figures. Now, yeah, as I was intrigued imagine, about this. Yeah, this is it was so difficult for TV yeah. uh, because it just varies so wildly um, because you're all freelance unless you're signed up and you have a direct contract with one of the big, you know, uh, production houses or the BBC. Yeah. Um, it completely depends when you work, who you're working for, how long you work there. So, I mean, we came out of figure of if you're starting, you could expect, I don't know, between 15 and 20 and then. Hello. Hello. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, I, sorry. Um, I, I, you cut out for it uh, for about 20 seconds there earlier, Daniel. Sorry. Okay, sorry. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll make sure we cut this out. <laughs> um, <laughs> but between sort of 15 and 20 starting, uh, but it, it just depends, really. Is that in presenting roles? Or... Yeah, so that's in presenting roles, and that's, but that's an average taken from a load of different uh, sources, and then we just collate them together and work and out the And as average. a starting salary. As, start, as a starting salary, yeah. Yeah, but... but it's tricky. It, it's so difficult to sort of nail down. I mean, I can tell you from my personal perspective i mean i started out doing a lot for free wow because you kind of have to yeah uh, i mean especially me i know i didn't really have anything to i didn't have that any experience coming into this really you know if, if i could clip together a show reel from bits and like news items that i'd done and, and and some of my own you know silly films i'd done with mates but um you know no one's really going to want to pay you for that necessarily mm. so yeah i had to do some stuff for free and then i think i might like early gigs where it was a day shooting in a studio, maybe about 200 quid for the day type thing, which as, as you're starting out is, it, you know, that's not bad. That's, yeah. that's, that's pretty good. Um, and things have progressed from there. Uh, I mean, a, a way to a way, well, it's not necessarily representative um, of TV work, but if you look at how much some TV presenters get for things like public speaking, because you can go online and see the the fee that they might command for that. I mean, it it it's quite for me. It's quite phenomenal figures. You go, wow, that's that's a way to earn a living. Yeah. Um, so um, for me, for me personally, where I am at the moment, I I I feel like I'm very well compensated for the time that I put in. Um, mm. uh, but that said, you know, there's there is the uncertainty about it. Um, you know, you you're on your own, really. And is it common for people starting off in this, this industry to work unpaid for a little while, just building up a reputation, building up some um, 
stuff other other people can see it is i would say yes and uh, and if not for free then then um maybe as an intern which which should be paid in my view but sometimes aren't or you know quite quite low paid um and and i'm thinking more here around presenting and actually i'm think probably thinking more about other roles other production roles rather than presenting so if you're coming in as a junior researcher uh, or a runner um sometimes people will do that for free just because they want a, um, a foot in the door and that that seems to be the only way to do it and then you kind of gradually slowly work your way up and it's not i don't yeah it it can be quite tricky because i guess it's quite competitive I, I i don't really know um how i don't feel like there is a real structure for presenters to get into it there's mm. I, I, so it's quite hard to it is quite hard to put your finger on it we we actually had a an actor and um a content oh, yeah. creator as well and it was kind of a similar story because acting is notoriously hard to really get your start in absolutely um, and while she was doing this like work for free, building up her, you know, her network, she was making content on the side, like, you know, funny videos, work with her friends and yeah. pushing that out. And off the back of that, she got brand deals and, and others, which allowed her to really push her acting career forward. So maybe that's something that people trying to get into TV roles could think about doing nowadays. That's a re- I think that's a really good way to, and, and we, um, you were asking about social media platforms earlier, that there, there are ways, if you can create a following through whatever uniqueness you have and whatever uniqueness you can present to the world through whatever social media platform is your choice, there is money to be made there. Um, I mean, again, you'll know, you know, some of the biggest stars make absolutely ridiculous amounts of money for posting one thing on Instagram. Yeah. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be that level, you know, that that's, that happens at all levels where brands, if you, re- if it feels like um, you, your values and what you, how you present yourself um, on social media, how people see you and perceive you fits their brand, then they will be willing to, to pay money for you to do that. Um, so I think, I think that's a really, that's a really good shout and it's great practice for you. If TV is where you want to end up, it's great practice. Any time in front of camera is, is great mm. practice because at that stage, you'll probably watch it back and maybe self critique, um, maybe compare it, compare yourself against other people who you like and how they work. I, I mean, that said, I think, I think something that I really enjoy doing is something I'm confident to do now in front of camera is to be me kind of be unapologetically me because that's how I'm comfortable. I don't want to pretend to be something else. Um, and I enjoy that. But I think that's um, a really good point because we obviously trying to do what we're trying to do and, and build, you know, help for careers advice and things. We've tried to, uh, to get on TikTok a bit. Yeah. Have you seen TikTok? And, I, I'm uh, aware of it. And honestly, I'm 41, Daniel. So uh, <laughs> I'm not sure it's aimed at me, but maybe, maybe that's just me being, uh, being <laughs> stick in the mud, but yeah, yeah, sorry, go on. And, and, I don't know what it is, but as soon as I turn the camera around to face me, I mm. I just can't be as relaxed as I would yeah. be talking to you. I don't know what it is. It's as soon as a camera goes on you, you get that kind of like, oh God, uh, I've got to act a certain way. How are you now? If you listen back to these podcasts, how do you feel about that? Listening back to them now, I'm completely fine. When I right, first but how listened, were you at the beginning? Yeah, go on. Oh God, I was I would cringe so hard. Yeah. Yeah. But. And it's same same with you. Yeah, I've certainly relaxed after after um after maybe ten or so. Yeah. 
so that's it that that is it exactly and it's all about i guess it's about how much you've heard yourself or seen yourself because i i would i would self-critic my self-critique myself loads on the first thing i did going oh i can't believe i did that i don't do that anymore i just Mm. just i just let it wash over me i mean something something i'll say to people sometimes and it's a bit flippant it's not meant to be flippant it's meant to be it's meant to be helpful is that not like nobody else will watch you on tv as you watch yourself on tv nobody else really cares you know basically no one really cares if you said something with a at the end or (laughs) whatever it might be or if you did a weird look no one can i mean most people are looking at their phones anyway or having a chat whilst they're watching telly and they're you know they're broadly taking it in but they're not watching your every move like like you might be Mm. and so when i say no one really cares I'm being slightly flippant, but there is an element of truth in that, that no one cares as much as you do. So don't worry about it. Um, Is there anything that's not in the job description that you never expected to be dealing with within this industry? Um, So something uh, I referred to a little bit earlier was about knowing when, knowing when and how to say no to things if it's not right for you. And that doesn't come up too much, but I think that's, I guess, developing an ability to do that and knowing when that's right for me to say no. At the start of my career in this, I was just happy for anything. It's like, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. Yes, please. Yes. Oh, please give me this job. But that would be amazing. Um, Something that probably borders on pessimism sometimes is about lowering expectations for getting a job. I've found at the beginning of my career, if there was the tiniest of chance that I could be um, uh, asked to, to present something, I'd, it would be on my mind all day long. And I'd just, oh, when can I email them and find out? I haven't heard from them. They said they'd email me this week. They haven't. I'll oh, sure email. And I don't worry about that anymore. I set expectations quite low to the fact that, it, <laughs> to the point where if, if something does come through, because there's been some discussions about this program and maybe I'll get it, maybe I won't if something does come through, it's like, Oh, okay, fine. Yeah, good. Where there is an excitement inside, but I've kind of quashed it with this, with this um, expectation management, we'll call it Mm. rather than pessimism. So I didn't, I didn't really foresee that, but it is a useful tool, I think. Um, But then, and something else is a bit of a thick skin to um, criticism and feedback. I didn't, I didn't really think it through, but if you're going to put yourself out there on telly, part of that part of that job is to be ridiculed um given abuse it shouldn't be but that's how the world is um and and i guess you are asking for it really if you're if you're saying hey everybody look at me um i'm on telly um then you're you're asking for it in a way so it's it, i guess it's about developing a thick skin to not let that bother you at all and and i mean i, I find it quite funny <laughs> yeah troll you you know you get trolls whatever you do as soon as you put yourself out there and do something that those people maybe aren't comfortable doing they feel that they can attack you for doing it which is a bit bizarre but it is and the that's the way of the world isn't it and yeah. you know you're never going to stop that and uh even if you've got all your social media um platforms um monitoring it all day long you're, you're still going to get stuff yeah. and as I, I find it quite funny and uh, occasionally i'll have a look um if something uh so i've got series out at the moment and i'll, I'll sit down on friday night and watch it because I, I haven't seen it yet i haven't seen it in its finished form so i quite enjoy sitting and watching it and i'll have a little look on twitter afterwards and i have seen the majority uh, of, of comments and things that people message me 
so positive and I get a massive reward from that as well. And you get some lovely stories, there'll be really personal stories um, people want to open up and tell you about as well, which I find so endearing, such a massive bonus for me as well. And a real privilege to feel like people can contact you in that way because it's a real positive up- uplift. But occasionally there are some negative ones in there. And there's always a temptation <laughs> to respond back with something, yeah. witty, especially if I've, <laughs> especially if I've had a, a beer or so whilst I've watched it, but I have to resist that temptation because no good will come of that. No, it's a I Pandora's do, box. I have to admit, I love the accounts that do go back because it is brilliant. Cause they, they just destroy them in the comments. Oh, I think of someone specifically, but uh, anyway, James, James Blunt, James, yes, Blunt. James Blunt. That's so it, James Blunt. Yes. <laughs> He's absolutely ruthless. And it's brilliant. so good. Yeah. I, don't, I don't feel like I have the wit of James Blunt to be able to go back and do it in <laughs> such uh, a door-closing way, yeah. mic-dropping way. I'd just be opening up a whole new world of views. <laughs> so I, I know where my limitations are. <laughs> so have you, uh, have you got any advice for somebody on how to progress within the industry once you're there? Yeah, I'd say so... Um, I'd say use all contacts that you've made in all walks of life who might be of some help and be shameless about that. That that's how I got started. That I think is a really positive way. Don't, don't be shy about contacting people. If they don't get back to you, what's the worst that's happened? I, 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 I sometimes had to kind of really G myself up to hit send on an email. I was like, Oh God, can I really send this? Yes. Just send it. Um, because you know, the worst that can happen is they don't get back to you, but the best that can happen is that you could open up new doors and, or, or even um, opportunities for work. Something I, I talked about earlier is to stay genuine to yourself and don't be, don't be forced to change the way you are, or to change the way you want to be. If you're not comfortable with that, um, I, I'm, I feel lucky in the way that a lot of the stuff that I, I film and the, the, a lot of the stuff that I'm asked and pre- expected to present is about being me. And some programs are more about that than, than others where it's more scripted and I'm giving lots of information, but where there are programs where I can be me, I, I love doing that. And, and, and I, know I just feel really comfortable doing that. So I think whatever, but in fact, that, you should, that, that that's probably true in any walk of life, really, isn't it? To be be comfortable with who you are in the role that you're being asked to do. Certainly. Um, and I'd say, at least to get started, it's a real determination that that you you really want to do this. I, after years of having no idea what I wanted to do, and probably having a real internal frustration with that that I didn't fully understand because I'd never sat down to try and analyze it um, uh, from in, in terms of a career and what I was doing with, with work. Once that became clear and once I got some help to really formalize that in my brain, I felt like I, that was such a powerful tool slash weapon for me to go and use and, and be so determined with it because I knew in my heart that that is what I wanted to do. And I was, I was prepared to really work my socks off to get that. So I, I think that determination, again, this is, this is true in any walk of life, but it, it probably does apply a lot in, in the world of telly and in presenting um, to really be so determined and persistent with what, what you want to do and be open to all opportunities that come your way because if you say yes a lot, then and I know I know I talked about saying no earlier. Um, but if you are open to saying yes and open to opportunities and open to being put into situations where you are not you're outside your comfort zone because you don't understand exactly what's going on, you kind of have to do that. 
in order to progress. I feel, or at least I did. Um, but I look back on those days and I, I just got a massive grin on my face thinking about some of the situations I was in just going, I've got no idea what's going on here, but you know, I'm still here and it only helped me really. And, and you only learn from it. Um, so I guess, yeah, those, those, those are the areas I'd say that you, you, you kind of got to be prepared to, to go through in order to progress. And you've obviously gone through a couple of different um, things through your life. Um, you know, started off at engineering university, then went into uh, environmental sector, now into broadcasting. And, and would you still go into that industry knowing everything you know now? Yeah, I absolutely would. I absolutely would. I don't think I'd change too much of it apart from some of those early gigs no, I'll tell you what I changed. I change ever telling my mates about some of the early gigs that <laughs> I did and that they are still up on YouTube because they, they get brought out, especially in this world we're in at the moment where yeah. Zoom meetings and you can share screen and then suddenly there you are doing Zumba. <laughs> <laughs> oh, not this again. Um, that's, that's one thing I changed. No, but in all seriousness, I don't. Yeah, I'd definitely get into the world of telly again. It's such an exciting industry. For me, it, it really ticks my boxes of wanting to be creative and wanting to communicate something uh, that I'm really passionate about as well, which, which is the engineering behind it all. So yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's a, it's a great, fun industry where you make friends and really creative and positive relationships with people and um, I feel so blessed and privileged to, to be doing what I do. Well, Rob, it's been a genuine pleasure to, uh, to chat with you this evening. And thank you so much for coming on. No, not at all. Not at all. Yeah. Careers advice is something I'm, I'm so, it's another area I'm really passionate about because I don't feel like it's done. I didn't feel like I got great career advice. No. Um, and I think it could be done differently um, to help, help more young people, or in fact, people of any age, who might be looking to, to change careers and, um, yeah, you just gotta, just gotta do it. Just gotta follow your heart and do it. So, uh, no real pleasure boys. Thank you very much. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And where can people find you on social media? If you've got anything, I tend to be on Instagram more than anything else these days. And, um, I think it's rob.bell. <laughs> I'm just checking because <laughs> I'm such a, uh, tech savvy. Hang on, bear with. Yes, it is rob.bell on Instagram. That's, that's, that's probably the best place to find me. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Thank you, Rob. Cheers, guys.